PulpMX Network Production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things moto-centric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Howdy. How the hell are you guys doing out there? This is Chris Kiefer. And this is the Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast presented by Fly Racing and, of course, Race Tech. You guys looking to go shopping? Want to do some parts, some accessories? RockyMountAtvMC.com is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, ATVs, and street bikes, low prices, unparalleled customer service, and F-R-E-E. Three-day shipping, over 75 bucks. Holy crap, it's easy to see why you guys should be shopping there. But first, click KieferInkTesting.com. Up on top of the homepage, there is a RMATVMC banner. Click that. That'll direct you to Rocky Mountains page, and you can continue to do your shopping. And that helps us on the back end, gives us a little slice of what you're purchasing, and just lets them know that, we aren't full of shit, that this podcast does work, it does help you, makes you laugh, makes you think, solves some problems, just helps all of that along. It's a great thing. So go there on my website, click that banner, and do your shopping. We thank you very much. I see what you guys are ordering, and it's good, man. You guys are ordering parts, fixing up bikes. I actually just ordered some lenses and some tear-offs. That's right. I ordered lens and tear-offs because... Oakley doesn't send me a lot of stuff, but I love that goggle. So that is what I purchased over on RockyMountainATVMC.com this week. As always, fly like an eagle into the sea. FlyRacing.com. Zach Osborne is killing the Nationals right now, and he is wearing Evo DST gear. And that's what I've been just riding the shit out of that stuff, and I love it. Boa Reel, Pro Fit stretchy, ventilated, awesome, along with the formula helmet. You guys can't go wrong. Seriously, you guys can order that stuff over on rmatvmc.com. But there's a new LE this week for Colorado, and it looks badass. So go check them out, flyracing.com. Order yourself some gear. I did a little giveaway here last time, and uh, first three guys to order a set of gear, of course, fly racing gear, over at Rocky Mountain, I paid for the paid for the gear. So that happened, that completed, and I paid for three sets of gear and going to change their life with that set of gear that they're wearing now. So congrats to you guys out there that got that, and thank you for listening. Racetech, Racetech.com. Go get your suspension and oil and your bushings and your seals changed over at Racetech.com. If you want some valving done, you want a little discount, hit me up, Chris, at KieferInkTesting.com, and I will get you hooked up. Chris Riesenberg and the guys over at Racetech do excellent work. I got a CRF250R garage build that I'm doing. I've got an RM250 garage build that I'm doing. And Racetech is going to be leading the charge in the suspension department for me. So go check them out, Racetech.com. If you have any questions about my advertisers, hit me up, Chris at KieferInkTesting.com again. Last but not least, if you guys want to go race, you're old. You know, I'm 40. That's what I consider. I'm old, right? Old Timers, it's a great organization. You can go to OregonOldTimers.com, check out where they're going, where they're racing. They race long motos, people. That's what's awesome. I love it. I want to race at least 15 minutes. That's minimum. These guys give you 20 minutes of race time. There is a race in Mesquite, Nevada, October 31st and November 1st. I'm going to try to get there for at least one day of that. I want to get a little warm-up in before the Vet National. I think you guys should do that too. If you're traveling and you're coming from back east, stop in a mesquite the weekend before, do some racing, get long motos in, test your suspension, test your setup. It gets choppy, similar dirt to Glen Helen over there. So um, go check them out, OregonOldTimers.com. If you have any questions about that, hit my email. All right. So we're here, 2021 Kawasaki KX250. 
This is a long way to 250, actually. Uh, they did some minor changes 2019 and the 2020. Now we have a whole revamped 2021 KX250, KX450 frame, a lot of interchanging parts with the KX450. But from what I was told today from the Kawasaki guys, all right, over 300 part numbers have changed on the KX250 from 2020. They ripped down a whole list of what they changed, a lot of internal motor parts, the crank, uh, they've got stiffer valve springs. All these things inside the engine is different. A lot of things. Um, if you guys want to go see the exact changes, you can go to keyforinktesting.com and I can list all of those there. So that way you guys know what exactly has changed. But for me, the big thing that I really wanted out of the Kawasaki was just a little bit more meat, a little bit more pulling power, something to compete with a YZ250F, right? Because you and I both know, well, maybe you don't know. <laughs> That's why you're listening to this podcast. But the YZ250F, holy shit, it is a torque monster. It pleases a, a wide range of guys. It has a lot of torque, and that was missing a little bit from the Kawasaki. If I could really pinpoint and just pick apart like these 250s, the Kawasaki and KTM and Husky have similar power bands. But the Kawasaki in 2020 just ran a little bit short on top. So the engineers over in Japan and Kawasaki, they went to work. They wanted to add some more pulling power. They wanted to get some more top end. And they wanted to allow you guys out there to rev that bike further. That was the goal. And when I listen to these guys talk, I've been around a couple of these R&D guys here in America. You might be familiar with them. I talk about these guys quite a bit when I talk about Kawasaki's Travis and Sean. These two R&D guys, and you guys might know Sean. Sean Borkenhagen was a Supercross rider for many years. He was on uh, the TLD team. I know David Pingree spent a lot of time with Borky, and Borky transitioned from the professional racer into uh, R&D guys. So these two gentlemen have been with Kawasaki for many years, and they are you know, partially responsible for Kawasaki getting better in the last three, four years. Um, I would say mid-2000s, 2006, 2008, Kawasaki was pretty good, and they went back from 2012, that was a good 2013, that's another good year for Kawasaki's, and then now, again, we're leaving the 2020, 2021, Kawasaki's is coming on again, and I'm when I say coming on again, I mean winning shootouts, that's a whole other topic we're not going to get into, but yeah, shootouts, I feel like are important, and these guys are setting the bar for other manufacturers right now to get comfort out of their bikes. More specifically, the 250 needed some help in the engine area mostly, but also in the chassis area because it was a pretty rear-wheel um, steering biased machine. I'm a big front-end steering guy, and I never really gelled with the KX250, although I did like to ride it. I just felt like it was kind of an empty, hollow pulling power. Um, it did get a little bit better in the last year or so where with some bottom in and some snap, but then it was a little bit short on top. So I was skeptical to hear about all of these part number changes and what the bike has gone through. I was happy about that it got the same frame as a 450 now, and I really like that 450 frame a lot. I praise that frame a lot for comfort and predictability. I love that kind of frame. I told the R&D guys today, I am more of a slower turning biased kind of machine rider. And what I mean by that is I like my bikes to maybe not turn so sharp a la Honda. Okay. Hondas turn great. They're sharp turning. Suzuki's turn great. They're sharp cornering, but I need a little bit slower initial lean in a bike just because a little calmer a calmer feel because I like to dive into my corner and I and I feel like I have good cornering technique so I don't need something that turns on a dime. Well Kawasaki wanted to lighten the feel up. On paper, what the guys tell me is that the KX250 is slightly heavier than last year. Just a little bit. It's not like a huge difference, but it is heavier on paper 
but they feel like the CG feel of this bike, which is center of gravity. Center of gravity feeling is much lighter, and I will have to concur on that. I try not to listen to these pre-notions before I go out. Um, I'm pretty good about no matter what someone tells me, I kind of erase it out of my mind anyway because I don't agree with a lot of people's opinions anyway when I ride. So, But I will have to say once I felt that CG feel in area one of this of this bike that I was like, oh, yeah, they're right. This thing does feel lighter. It feels like more than a couple pounds lighter. So I like that aspect. So Kawasaki's focus for 2021 was aimed at a little bit more meat, a little bit more mid-range, a little bit more top-end, and then a cornering character where you can have a lot of connection inside the rut and get that more of a balanced, biased bike and not such a rear-wheel steering machine. So that's what their focus was in 2021. And I went to Paris, California, you can go check out the Racer X video on racerxonline.com. But if you want a little bit more elaborate um, talk, I guess you can say about this bike, this is why we're here on this podcast. And you can kind of get a feel of what I'm saying through my voice. So the first thing when I rolled out, uh, I went out on the bike and um, I didn't get to ride a 2020 back to back. They don't like when that happens. Uh, the Kawasaki guys don't really want to focus in on back-to-back comparisons, but I rode a 2020 enough before I left, before I even went there today, um, to get a feeling. So immediately when you guys get on a 2021, if you're coming off of an older Kawasaki, you will notice the, that's what I'm snapping my fingers, that's the pickup. It picks up really quick. It's a freer revving engine feel. It's more exciting, which is like, okay, I can get that. That's no problem. But how is it going to pull out of corners? I'm not going to sit here and say, man, there's more bottom end. No, it doesn't have the bottom end like a Yamaha does. But I will say this. It's a freer revving engine. It has more excitement. It has more RPM response than a Yamaha. And to me, it doesn't have the pitching, which we'll get to the chassis portion of this podcast. But Right when I pulled on the track, I was like, wow, I can feel a little bit more meat accelerating down the straightaway. And most of that is felt in the mid-range to top end. I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys that the bottom end is better because it's not. It's the same as a 2020. They were hoping that they didn't lose any, and I feel like they didn't lose any low-end feel. I, I do feel like it has excitement and RPM response down low. I just It lacks that torquey chuggy kind of getting me out of that soft mud area feel all right where the yamaha has that heavier torquey chuggy get me out of that mud feel the kawasaki relies on the rider to help it a little bit with the fan of the clutch and to get on top of it and have that real light revving spooling feel so um very quick revving you can pull second gear longer and that's very important on a 250. Look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm a 250 guy because I am not. I'm 170 pounds. I'm a, I'm a smoother type of rider. So when I get on a 250, I have to rewire my brain be like, okay, I got to downshift one more time. I got to let that fucker eat a little bit and just ring it out because that's where it likes to be ridden. At least most of these 250s do. This Kawasaki will reward that type of guy. I brought my kid out. He's 14. He is more of a little bit of a lugger. He even commented how much he liked this engine. I brought another guy out named Mike. He is 165 pounds, 63 pounds. He is more of a 250 rider, and he couldn't stop shut. You know, he couldn't stop talking about how well this engine was compared to the 2017 and 2019 he rode previously. So he liked this engine a lot. I'm not going to sit there and, and drool and just tell you how good this engine is because it, for me, it's still maybe not the leader in engines. It's hard to beat a Yamaha, okay? Why? Because you can short shift it and then get out of that hole and that thing will pull third gear. This Kawasaki still won't pull third gear unless you do some gearing change, right? So I think a gearing change is needed if you want third gear. However... Use second gear in this bike because it is really good and it's really long. I loved it. 
I tried. Obviously, Kawasaki has the calibration tool. You can buy that through accessories division, and you can remap this, you know, ECU settings or these couplers. Green coupler is stock. White coupler is lean. Black coupler is rich. I tried all of these, and for me, the green coupler was just the best setting at Paris. And Paris is, if you guys don't know, is a tighter. Uh, has a couple long straightaways, but tighter, um, ruddier type of track we have in California. It's been here for years. It's clay-based. It does get slick and snotty when it gets later in the day. But nonetheless, I like the way Kawasaki builds its RPMs once I'm out of the corner. I can be a little bit lazy. I can shift a third, and it still pulls. I remember coming out of a corner right-hander today. And I left it in second, rolled the throttle on, and it pulled it all the way to the next jump, and I could shift third into the air and land and then keep going. I'm fine with that. It's when I have to come out of a corner and second gear is kind of already done and I have to shift. That split second right there can cost you, you know, four tenths if you're really, you know, adding these these seconds up if you're pushing, right? So for me, I want to work a little bit smarter and not harder and let that thing rev. And it still pulls. So they added 350 RPM to the rev limiter this year, and you can actually feel it. To me, it when you sound, um, I guess when someone tells me, hey, Kiefer, we added 300 RPM, I'm like, eh. But you actually feel 300 RPM a lot on the track. It doesn't seem like much, but, man, it'll get you a little bit more pulling power from point A to point B if you need it. So Kawasaki did a great job in that aspect. I still feel like it's KTM-ish, mid-range, maybe a little bit more meat. KTM has a smoother, broader feeling. Feeling The Kawasaki has more of a snappy low end and then a harder mid-range and then feels like the top end on a KTM, but maybe quite not the over-rev the KTM has. It definitely has more top end than a Yamaha YZ250F, so I like that. It just needs a little bit more torque feel if it wants to compete with the Yamaha engine. But again, it's all in your riding style. For me, if I learn how to ride in second gear, get in and get out of the corner, that free revving feel, I feel like this Kawasaki is way lighter than a Yamaha. The Yamaha feels heavy, really heavy at times, especially area one of the corner. This Kawasaki does not because it has a very free revving, um, you know, sprightly that's what i like to call it a sprightly engine feeling sprightly you can use that thank me later let's talk about the couplers really quick so i told you i I stayed with the the green coupler i tried the white one which although does have better rpm response down low it just simply ran out too quick for me up on top it didn't stretch that second gear out like i wanted it so mike chavez Old school mechanic. He's been Kawasaki for years. He created a map, which I will post up on keyforinktesting.com, or you can email me and I can send it to you if you guys want it. And you guys can put this map in your 2020s, so don't email me this question because I just answered it for you. He created a map that's a mix of white coupler, the lean coupler, and the black coupler, which is the rich coupler. And he blended these two in because my other test guy that rode with me, Mike, he liked the white coupler because he wanted a little bit more excitement. He's a little bit more playful, and he wanted to shift. I didn't really want to shift. So Mike Chavez made this map. He blended it together, and man, holy shit. I can't believe how big of a difference this map actually is. I get on. I roll my corner in area one. I get on the throttle, and it pulls me out of that rut quick. Like It's much better out of a corner, makes the bike feel lighter, and I didn't lose any top-end overhead. It actually gave me more mid-range meat, which got me out of the corner even better. So amazing map that he created. He said it just blended a couple things together, and he made this map while all the media was testing, so I thought that was cool. But man, I left that in. And with that was the black coupler, and then he used the ignition side of the white lean, and then the black rich side of the fuel map. So, again, smarter guy than I am, Mike Chavez. We call it the CHA map, C-H-A. If you guys want that, just put that in the title to my subject in an email, and I will get it for you. I'll screenshot it, and you guys can do it. If you have 
a calibration FI tool. You're going to need that from Kawasaki. It's not as cool as a Yamaha Power Tuner app where you have the app. Nonetheless, the tool that Kawasaki has is very friendly. It's easy. It's not that big a deal, but you will have to purchase it from Accessory Division or your local dealer. So just FYI. But out of all the maps that I've tried, and I had KX250 maps before, and although they were a little bit better, this map right here had a bigger jump for me than what I ran with with a standard green coupler. So I'm going to ride more tracks with this and really identify up some hills at Glen Helen. I have a sand track near my home I want to ride with and see if it really helps that pulling power or affects the top end overev in deeper conditions or under load going uphill. So I'm going to dissect that a little bit more. I do want to tell you guys one thing that I noticed from the 2020, a little bit more vibration. There is a little bit more vibration due to, and we'll leave this into the chassis portion, because the chassis has a stiffer rigidity balance than last year. They were looking for more performance out of the chassis. Maybe they, they sacrifice a little less, little less comfort and trying to focus on when guys pushing this chassis hard, they want to load it, and they were looking for uh, a more, um, I guess I want to say, a stable feel when you're pushing hard. Because some of these, these chassis that we have, for us old dudes, they feel comfortable and they're easy to ride because they flex a little bit. Well, when you got these kids or you got these pros riding these chassis, they load them so much that it becomes unpredictable. So they wanted to go to a more stiffer, I should say more stiffer, they wanted to go to a stiffer feeling, firm feeling chassis and really try to hone in on um, the faster type of rider with the 250. And let's face it, whoever's buying these bikes, these 250 bikes, are either young kids that want to go fast, they're hyperactive, or older guys that are heavier and lazy. So having a little bit of a stiffer feeling frame isn't all bad. But you will notice a little bit more vibration through the bars, and that could be because we're on a fat bar now and not a 7 8 bar. But nonetheless, the chassis is a little bit firmer feeling. Now, with that being said, I wasn't in fourth gear today. I wasn't putting extreme loads on it. But it doesn't seem to have taken the comfort out of this bike. This is the beauty of a Kawasaki. You guys always say, oh, Keith, you're a Yamaha guy. That's not true. I love portions of the Yamaha, and those portions are something that I like to to get on a lot. And when I say get on, I mean I like to ride that bike a lot because there's very key components that I really appreciate. The reason why I get back on Kawasaki's is not because of the engines, most likely. It's because of the chassis and how calm it is and how easy it is to ride and how it it provides me with peace of mind when I'm on throttle, lean angle, and sweepers. This is the key to this bike. And this 250, holy shit, it feels planted to the ground when I'm hauling ass, third gear, under throttle, and leaning. It doesn't step out. It doesn't load. It doesn't snap back. It feels planted. And that is what I like. And that is what I struggle with on Yamahas. I feel like I'm a little disconnected on throttle, lean angle, has a little bit of a, of a, a hitch to it where it's like hinged in the middle. And I always want to like wash out or it's going to start washing and then snap back. This Kawasaki feels like there's more tire contact patch to me than last year's bike. I really, really appreciate that. And I really want to drive that home to you guys out here. This is a great feeling. When you're pushing and you're leaning and you're under throttle, you can leave your feet on the pegs and lean through these flat corners without having it wash out. Another reason why it's not washing out it's because Kawasaki doesn't have their head up their ass putting Dunlop MX-33 tires on their bikes. Hallelujah. Thank you, whoever made this decision in purchasing from Kawasaki. Hallelujah. Dunlop MX-3S tires remain on the 2021 KX250, and let's all celebrate because that is a way better tire. I don't care if it's going to chunk after eight hours. I don't care if it's going to break down after eight hours. I want those eight hours to be bliss. I want to be able to lean angle. I want to be able to underthrottle while leaning. I want my tire contact patch to be there. These tires provide that way more than a 33. So thank you. So the combination between the tires 
and this new chassis, which is a little bit stiffer, is much better. Now, I will say off-throttle diesel, you will notice a firmer feeling, but to me, it's still a brand new bike. I got to break it in a little bit. I got to give it a chance, so I will dissect that more. But if you're going to feel it, and there will be a negative, it'll be straight line, off-throttle, in bumps. That's where you'll notice some of that firmness in that chassis. Again, this is geared more towards the aggressive rider. And I don't know if I fit that bill for this bike. I'm more of a smoother type of guy. Yes, I can haul ass for a few laps, but I'm not scrubbing. I'm not slamming. I mean, just think the pro guys, right? You look at Austin Forkner. It's just like those guys need a stiffer, rigid chassis and a 250 class. Those are the types of people that are buying the bike. So I understand they got to look at the market and they got to decide what they want to do. And for me, they blended it nicely so far. From the track that I rode today, they blended that chassis really nice, and it keeps a lightweight feel. We touched on this earlier. It is light feeling. I don't understand. I got to weigh this thing, and I haven't yet, but I'm going to weigh it. And I got the my testing Bible of the weight of last year's 250, but I'm going to weigh this thing full of fuel and see how much heavier it is. And maybe some other media outlet already has done this. Um, MXA is actually pretty good about doing this, so they might have that up, but... As of right now, the feeling that I have, initial lean, area one of the corner, very, very lightweight. I can go bloop. I don't have to think about it, and it's very front-end biased. I appreciate that. Now, area two, I struggled with a little bit today where I felt like it was a little bit of a tougher to get put down. Not the turning, not the turning of the bars, but the lean of the bike. I felt like I was struggling there a little bit to get it leaned over in area two. I also felt like the fork was diving a little bit, so I fixed that and it got better. But area three of the corner is very connected and it feels lightweight. When I go to jump it, I could whip it easy. It feels flickable. I can side to side movements very easy. The only real problem I had today was area two of the corner. And like I said, Paris is tighter, has longer ruts. So I'll dissect that more in the coming weeks, but... Overall, it feels three pounds, four pounds lighter. That's the sensation that I get. And I say I use those three to four pounds because I'm familiar with that. When I test some production stuff and we go three to four pounds lighter, I have a sensation that I feel, um, especially in corners. And this is the sensation I get from when I ride a 2020 to this new 2021. It's a sensation of about four pounds for me, which is very lightweight. I like that. One thing I forgot about the engine department is the muffler. Ugh, you know what I'm talking about. 2020, atrocious. Sounds raspy. It's like that Dumb and Dumber movie. You want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? That's what the freaking KX250 of last year sounded to me. The guys at Kawasaki told me, nothing's changed, Kiefer. Same muffler. Doesn't sound the same. Sounds a little quieter. Doesn't sound as raspy. It doesn't give me a headache. Like, I feel like at least my muffler on my test bike is has a different pitch, has a different tone, and is quieter. So note that. I don't know if you guys give a shit about that because you stick another muffler on there anyway. But it's worth noting, even though they haven't changed it, it's, it's worth mentioning to me. Hey, you guys know what time it is. It's commercial time, advertising time, and save yourself some money time. Listen to these commercials, great people, great products. As always, hit me up if you have questions about my advertisers. They're here for a reason because they're badass. Check this out. All-American Chevrolet in Colleen, Texas is a proud supporter of Keeper Inc. and invites everyone to experience the difference for all of your Chevy sales and service needs. Mention Keeper Inc. and get 50% off your next oil change and a front end alignment at no charge. Remember, whether you're hauling your bikes to the weekend track, trail, or race, or commuting to the job that pays for your moto habit, we have the truck to get you there in style. Visit us online anytime at ChevyColleen.com. That's All-American Chevrolet of Colleen. Chevy, find new roads. FMF, fast mother, bleep, nah, flying machine factory, that's what it stands for, go to fmfracing.com, you got a four-stroke, two-stroke, they've got what you need, trust me, older two-stroke pipes and silencers, they have it, they still make them, you got a newer four-stroke, you want some extra horsepower, they got that too, but most importantly, if you guys want to look cool at the track, 
Maybe you want to make your chick look cool. You want to wear a cool hat. Or you're a two-stroke guy, and you want a shirt that says mixing gas and hauling ass. Go to fmfracing.com. They got a whole merch section. Trust me, it's real. there's a lot of stuff over there. It looks pretty cool. So Kiefer Inc. 19 saved you some money on the merch. I suggest you go do it. I have a two-stroke shirt, and I don't even wear freaking two-stroke shirts. That's how cool this thing is. So go to fmfracing.com. Save yourself some money. And, of course, you have any problems, you have any concerns, hit me up, chris at kieferinktesting.com, and hopefully I can guide you in the right direction on FMF products. I know a lot about them, so trust me. They're good, quality built. There's even a guy back in the dining room you probably never heard of. His name is George. He is a wizard. He is the one just grinding away, doing all of the dyno testing, handing the, the stuff off to me at times to test. He's a smart dude. FMFRacing.com. Go visit the site. It's a cool site. Go get some merch. Save yourself some money with Kiefer Inc. Thank you, guys. Are you an older guy like me? I'm 43. And I still love to go race dirt bikes. If you're like me, go to OregonOldTimers.com. They're just not racing in Oregon. They got a race coming up at Glen Helen September 5th and 6th. They have a Mesquite, Nevada race October 31st and November 1st. Bring the family, long motos, classes for everyone, very cool organization, and it's run very good. It's not this thing you're going to be sitting around all day waiting to ride. And when you do ride, you got five laps. Longer motos, fun to get in shape, hang out with your family, hang out with your buddies, go race some dirt bikes, go to OregonOldTimers.com and check out the schedule. And if you guys have any questions, hit me up, Chris at KieferInkTesting.com, and I'll be more than happy to help you out. See you guys at the race. Have you guys checked out BloodLubricants.com? If you haven't, BLUDLubricants.com. Go check them out. Three new series of oils, Blood Power Sport Series the Blood Racing Pro Series, and the Blood Racing Pro Elite Series. I have Michael Allen here with me. We've been doing two different types of oils in our test bike. Mike has been doing the Blood Power Sport Series. Everything going good there? Everything's going good. I use it in all our test bikes, the ones that I prep and maintain, and uh, it runs a little cooler than production oils, and uh, I know you've done some testing with that. Yeah, so basically before Jeff and the guys came on board, I had to check legitimacy of this stuff because um, I didn't want no crap involved in keyframe testing. Um, honestly, tried it, was very surprised about the oil, did some temperature readings. It was a little over 30 degrees cooler in my YZ450F compared to some other oils I've been running. So the stuff is good. They sponsor over 250 racers from Enduro, Enduro Cross, Hair Scrambles, UTVs, Supercross now. They got some Supercross guys. So go check them out, bloodlubricants.com. Use the discount code Kiefer and get some percentage off your oils. They'll ship them to you. Probably get a hat or two. You know, Jeff's a good dude. Go check him out. Bloodlubricants.com. Screenprintingdone.com. You guys looking to make up some shirts, hoodies, or hats with a logo on it? Or maybe you want a logo made up for your business and you want to transfer that over to some t-shirts? Go to screenprintingdone.com. Neil over there is a writer. He owns the company. He is a rad human being. And he is here to hook you guys up. Order 12 shirts and get 10 for free. They have all different kinds of shirts, hoodies, hats, different fabrics, all different kinds of stuff. Go hit them up, screenprintingdone.com. Tell them Kiefer sent you and get 10 free shirts. Be sure to say Kiefer. That's right, Kiefer and screenprintingdone.com. Go check them out. Thanks, Neil. Firepowerparts.com. Excellent batteries, longer life. They're great batteries. I have them in all my test bikes. And, hey, they make chains, very good chains. My chain on my YZ450F is about 12 hours deep, still good. And, of course, they have oil, too. Firepowerparts.com. They keep adding new products to their line. So go check out the website. It's very cool, firepowerparts.com. Hey, did you crash? Or maybe you're just looking for a different handlebar bend. Go to ProTaper.com and go look at the Evo and Fusion line handlebars. I run the Fusion on the KTM 450, and I run the Evo on the YZ450F. Doesn't matter what you are. You like crossbars. You don't want a crossbar. ProTaper has it. They got grips. 
Dude, they got some nice, soft grips. I'm a half waffle soft guy. Greatest grips ever. Go check them out. The race cut grips? Come on. I am an SX Race Evo and Fusion guy, so go check them out, protaper.com. And if you guys are wondering about handlebar dimensions, go to keyforinktesting.com. There's a complete article on which handlebar dimension is best for your bike. Go search around. It's a fun article. Keyforink testing, it's a great place to do it. You know what else is? Protaper. Protaper.com. Maybe you're at home or in the car and you listen to the Kiefer Tested podcast. Maybe you already own a home. Maybe you're looking to purchase. You know what? Rates are down, so maybe you should try refinancing now. I know Heather and I just did. You can pull cash out, debt consolidation, or maybe you just need some credit score advice. Deal with a professional that has been in the business for 25 years, dude. And this guy rides. He's a good dude. Zach Morris. No, not saved by the bell, Zach Morris. He's licensed in California, Nevada, and Colorado. You can call or text Zach at Plum Creek Funding, 720-212-4685. If you guys have any questions about Zach, hit me up, chris at keyforinktesting.com, or just simply text him yourself, 720-212-4685. Plum Creek Funding, Zach Morris. Hit him up. You guys looking to buy a new bike? 2021s are out. Go to Power Motorsports. That's right. They're in Oregon. PowerMotorsports.com. If you guys want a deal on a Yamaha, ooh, or a Kawasaki, ah, or maybe, just maybe, you want a KTM. They got them all there. They have Kiefer Inc. testing special discounts. Email me, Chris, at KieferIncTesting.com, and I will get you in touch with David Sibley. That's right, David Sibley at Power Motorsports. He knows the drill. He knows Kiefer Inc. testing gives the best deals possible, and so do Power Motorsports. Hit them up, powermotorsports.com. We are back with the show. Thank you for holding in there. I appreciate it. More Team Green. Moving on to the suspension. Um, oh, you know what? Kaipo did give me uh, a setting here. So Kaipo is from KYB. He helps the production process along for Kawasaki. And a couple notes I want to mention. So the fork spring, 4.9 newton meter on the fork, and a 54 newton meter rear spring. Um, from 2020, the offset on the 2020 was 22.5. Now for 2021, 23 millimeter offset. The axle size went from 20 to 22 millimeters. Okay, I wanted to note that because I didn't know this until I gave them some feedback about the bike. And what I'm about to tell you is... Usually when you have a KYB fork, it moves a lot, has a lot of comfort, but sometimes it sacrifices some control. Um, I'm trying to paint you a picture. So you slap down off a jump, and then it kind of moves, and then your front end tire kind of slips, or it feels vague, and it just feels like you lost a little bit of traction. This fork moves, but I never feel loss of control. I have a lot of front end bite. Think this axle size has something directly to do with that. Going up to a 22-millimeter axle in the testing world gives you a heavier front-end feel. It gives you more of a, a heavier turning sensation. And after he told this to me, when I was giving him this feedback, it made sense to me. Like, okay, this is why I'm feeling these certain things because of this axle size. So going up 2 millimeters on the axle for 2021 helped this be more of a front-end steering biased machine. And it left me with enough control when I slap down something, I don't get that wash of my front tire. I love it. I did go up um, two clicks in on the fork to hold it up. I am about 102 millimeters of race sag, so that is important. I was a little bit lower, and I got a lot of pitching earlier in the day. Raised that rear end up a little bit, stiffened the front end. And, dude, it's balanced. It's good. Again, not a lot of bumps, okay? So don't freak out on me. There's not a lot of bumps today, but still, it was very manageable, very balanced, and it didn't have a harsh feeling like I get sometimes when I'm riding a Showa fork. Showa fork is a little bit harder to manage, a little bit harder to dial in because I'll have good feeling, but then it'll be soft. And I'll gain a little bit more control by stiffening it up, but then it'll start getting a little bit harsh. Not like air forkish, but just a little bit firmer, just gives me a little bit less lean angle. With this KYB, it moves a lot, 
but it still has a lot of control. I tried to go in on the rebound to slow that down, and it didn't work. It actually got it better off-throttle coming into bumps. It kind of held up more, but where I lost it was that on-throttle lean angle I was talking about earlier where I loved it. So I didn't want to mess that up, so I went back out on that rebound and just went plus two in on the fork compression. That's all I did for today. Good KYB bump sticks, guys. Like, it, it's something said to be about a KYB suspension, man. It's it's a lot of comfort, and again, tough to find performance and comfort in the same blend, right? So I like that they made enough comfort on this fork to please a wide range of riders. 140 pounds rode this bike today, 165, 170. Then you got my son, which is about 125, 130 pounds, and we got him comfortable as well. He thought the fork was actually really good and maybe a little bit better than his Honda fork. So um, granted, I might take that with a grain of salt because he is 14. He might not know what he's talking about, and he's just so excited to ride. He's just like, yeah, everything's great. But I kind of have to concur a little bit because the KYB fork is a little bit better, and I have more front-end tire contact patch. Not a lot to say for me on the shock. I did go a little bit softer for one rider. It was 155 pounds to kind of lower that, um, I guess, lower the ride heights, so to speak. So I went a quarter turn softer on high speed for him, and that helped his balance. I didn't do that. I left it the same. Uh, Aiden liked it a quarter turn softer. But for me, uh, the shock spring that they have, it was a 5.4. That's good for a 250. Um, I could go to a 5.6 if I'm 180 plus, but nonetheless, balanced suspension, KYB has it has it really good on this 250. If I'm trying not to knock the Showa fork too hard because it, it's not a bad fork. It's, it's a good fork on the 450, but the KYB just has more front end feel for me, and I love that. If I could stick this KYB fork on this 450, whew, we might do that. We might stick this whole KX250 front end on a KX450 to see what it does. That would be a test, right? I just thought of that while I'm doing this podcast. That would be great because I seem to love the front end a lot more on the 250 than I do the 450. So might look on keyforingtesting.com down the road, and we might do that. So I might do that sooner than later. Actually, I might do that next week. My mind's racing now, guys. I'm thinking about it. I'm like, ooh, this sounds like a fun one. But I don't know how many of you guys are out there have access to a 250 and a 450 or just wants to spend money on a 250 front end for his 450. But, hey, I know there's some people out there that probably will do that. (laughs) I get a lot of emails, and there's some people with some money. Um, But we're going to try that. But very good balanced feel on the suspension. A couple tidbits here before I get to the ergonomics. Hydraulic clutch. They use a judder spring in the hydraulic clutch. They don't in the 450. I didn't know that. I came back and told the guys, hey, man, the clutch is a little bit more on-off feeling than the 450 um, because they told me it was the same. Well, it doesn't feel the same, okay? The engagement is a little bit shorter. The window's a little bit narrower, and I felt like when I was rolling my corners and I was fanning the clutch, I had a little bit of a jerkiness, um, herky-jerky, I like to call it, in the corner. And I think that has something directly to do with the judder spring that they're using in there because the 450 does not have that feeling. That is noted. Smaller rear disc, much better. Not as grabby. Doesn't squeak so far. And I like that feel. I hate the clutch lever. I hate the, uh, the front brake. Really narrow and sharp. I'm out on that. I just go to Bob at ARC. He's a wizard. He has a lot of shit. He could tell you where to go. He could fill you in. Go to Works Connection. They have great levers. So many other options. That's what I would do or am going to do with this bike. But the clutch is a little bit uh, on-off feeling compared to the 450. Ergonomics, fat bar, hallelujah, that's better. The rider triangle, so seat, pegs, handlebar, feels like a Honda, just comfortable. You sit on it. And something about it, you're just like, man, I I feel I feel like I'm on top of this bike versus in it. Last year, I felt like I was in the bike more. I'm more on top of the bike. I can get farther forward on the machine when I ride this bike. So I like that. And I like that Kawasaki gives you options. You can move the bars. You can move the pegs. You can kind of configure what you want to get your dialed-in setting. I'm almost six foot. 
I'm stock. I like it stock. I rode with a 5'7 guy today on a test bike, Mike. He preferred stock as well. Aiden, about a little bit taller than Mike, maybe 5'8. He was fine as well. But if you're six foot, six one, drop those pegs. Move those bars forward. It's going to help you a lot. Five millimeters is a lot when you move bars and pegs around. You get a little bit more room. I wish Yamaha would do this. Every time I get on a Yamaha, I feel like my pegs are really high. And I'm like, what the fuck? And it takes me a while to get used to that bike because when I'm off of it for a little bit and I get on a Yamaha, I'm like, dude, it feels cramped. Like the seat, it's kind of low and pockety. And I like the bar bend a lot, but I just wish they would move this. I wish Yamaha would move the peg down 5 to 10 millimeters and back. It might help. But this Kawasaki, man, blows the Yamaha away ergonomically. Feels much better. I can... um, when what I like to do on jumps is try not to seat bounce. I always have DV in my mind, like don't seat bounce this, do not seat bounce this, you piece of shit. I can just hear DV in my brain when I'm riding, right? And I try to stand up before these jumps, and then when I do that, I can lean a lot forward. And I notice this today more so than I can on the Yamaha. So in stock trim, awesome, great. I know you can make other bikes better with your own. Um, aftermarket parts or moving things around, but you don't need all that shit on the Kawasaki because it all comes stock. You can move it around stock. More companies should take note. That's great. Not everyone is a cookie cutter, right? We're not all the same. So there's a lot of different sizes and shapes of riders, and Kawasaki understands this, and they do a good job. So I thought that was impressive. So overall, this is a better Kawasaki, guys. I don't know how it's going to rank in a shootout. I do not know if I'm doing shootouts yet. I'm going to be... Going to keferingtesting.com, and and if you guys look over there right now, there is a Yamaha versus Kawasaki, which bike is right for you. Go read it. That's kind of what I'm mapping out for the year. I'm going to compare bikes to uh, each other. I get a lot of emails that states just that, which bike is right for me, Chris. So I decided to try something a little bit different and go straight to you guys, the consumer, and categorize riders categorize each part on the bike and rate them and see what's the best there's no winner or loser i'm just trying to create a bike that you guys can look at and be like that's the one i want that's that's exactly what i'm looking for i'm this type of rider this bike does this the best that's what i want so that's what i'm looking to do here with the kx250 with other bikes i will probably match this bike up um, with the ktm250 here soon and you guys can decide on what you want to do We will talk about contingency. We will talk about durability. We will talk about everything that we spoke about here on this podcast, but we will match them up together and figure out which one likes certain areas of the track more. And then that way you guys can figure out which bike you're going to ride and spend $10,000 on, right? Some of these shootouts are so dated and the model is so dated. I don't know if it's really helping you guys. Some do better than others. But we all love a ranking. I love a ranking as well. But to me, it just doesn't help the consumer make a correct decision. You got five dudes. You know, can they test? Who the fuck knows? Some can, some can't. Um, So it's just tough for me to keep doing the same thing over and over again year after year. So we're going to try to do something different. And I'm going to have Kawasaki come along. But they are up right now at keferingtesting.com, the 450 edition. 250 edition will be coming up soon. Congratulations to Kawasaki for making a better bike. It's not easy to do. Trust me. I have uh, had help in a lot of bikes, and I have failed on many of them to try to make them better. As a test rider, you're, you're trapped in a box. You only could do so much. You're, you can move things around. You can suggest things, but it's ultimately up to the manufacturer to take your word and change what they're doing. You only have so much power, right? It's not completely up to the R&D team, but if you have a good relationship and you have teamwork and you do these things and you can see this in Kawasaki, like they've done a great job of blending the R&Ds together, Japan side and American side, to come to the common goal of creating a better motorcycle for most of the consumers. This is the route that I'm seeing from Kawasaki lately, and I like that. I think it's really good. They have uh, electric start now. God forbid. How can I forget that? 250. 
I was kicking the shit out of it, which I don't mind. It's not a horrible thing, but it is nice to have a button. Uh, you don't have to pull the clutch in to start the bike on the Kawasaki. Um, Honda, you'd have to pull the clutch in. It's not a big deal, but it's worth noting. Um, durability, we will talk about durability in the coming months with this bike because if there's one thing that Kawasaki has lacked, it is some things on durability in the past. I mean, most of you guys are Kawasaki fans. You can probably attest to this, right? They're not completely garbage in the durability department. If you take care of it, it'll take care of you. But we've had some problems over the years on random things breaking. They've done a lot of engine work. They've done some things to beef up some durability with the valve springs and such. So we are going to ride the shit out of it, and we're going to give you the details. How are we doing? What is the oil changes? Um, How many clutches are we putting in? Did anything fail? Are we breaking subframes? Or whatever the case may be, we're going to give you all of that 411 here on this podcast and keyforinktesting.com. And, of course, Steve's site, pulpmx.com. As always, if you have questions about this bike, I'm an open book. My door is at least cracked open 24-7, which is the email, Kiefer. All right, you guys know it. Chris at KieferInkTesting.com. That is the email for questions. If I don't get back to you within a day, just relax. I got a lot of writing to do. I try to hit my emails as much as I can, but I got to have a family. I don't want a divorce. And I got to do some things around the house, just like everyone else does. But I will give you the knowledge that I have. If I don't know something, I will tell you I don't know. But hopefully I can try to steer you in the right direction and help you and uh, get you down at least narrowed down to what you guys want to use and ride, and that's why I'm here. So that's why we built keyforinktesting.com. So that about wraps it up for the KX250. We'll put more time out. I have it in the shop now. We're going to put that to uh, uh, to the test with a couple other bikes and really match it up and hone in on what is good and maybe what is not so good, right? Because that's very important these days in the hard-earned money world. Um, check us back next week. I'll have something very special up here on this podcast, something a little bit different. Hope you guys like it. And don't forget, if you guys want to go racing, OregonOldTimers.com, October 31st and 1st. Um, Look, straight up, I love racing. These guys are just good people, and I want to see some people come out to their their race and have it succeed. So Mesquite, Nevada, 31st and the 1st. Go check it out. Hopefully, I'll see you guys there. And if I do, come say hi. Let's bullshit. Let's talk dirt bikes. Let's talk Kawasaki KXs. That's always fun. And as always, if you guys want to go to racerxonline.com, check out the video side. Not as in-depth here in this podcast, but we will do our best within 15 minutes. I will try to shoot you exactly what you need to know in 15 minutes. The cliff note version over on racerxonline.com. And it's cool because you have special guests. It's not just me talking. You get uh, Mike Shalkoff. He is the guy who helped me test. You get a little bit of Aiden in there. little mixture of things. So... Written version, podcast version, and as well as the video side. We try to cover it all. That's it. I'll see you guys next week. Be good to each other. Be nice at the track. Don't rev your engine too loud. There is etiquette on the track. Okay? I know I yelled at someone the other day, and I was like, Oh, Chris, don't be a dick. Just calm down. It's a Saturday. Just relax. Be good to each other out there. See ya.